In the reading that Mark read for us just a few minutes ago from Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, we read the interesting episode where there was a centurion, a Roman soldier, who had a sick servant. And uh, they came to Jesus seeking that Jesus would heal this sick man. Of course, it's one of those examples of the miraculous powers of Jesus. And in fact, the centurion's servant was healed. And so that text is valuable just from that standpoint. It's one of those miraculous signs that confirms to us that Jesus really is, in fact, the Son of God. But what I want to draw your attention to in that text, and we won't take time to read it again, but in Luke chapter 7, three views of that centurion are expressed in that text. First of all, he said about himself to Jesus, I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. So his own evaluation of himself is he's not, he wasn't worthy. But the Jews were the ones who actually approached Jesus on his behalf and they said he is worthy he's done many good things for our nation he built a synagogue and so forth so he said i'm not worthy but the the jews who knew him said he's a worthy man jesus you should do this for him and so he had a view of himself other people had a view of him but the lord developed an opinion of him as well when he said i have not found so great faith not in israel three views of that individual what he thought of himself what others thought of him, and what the Lord thought of him. We want, to, uh, we want to understand that those same things are true of every one of us who are here this morning. We have an opinion of ourselves. Other people have a view of us. But most importantly, it is what God thinks of us. We want to talk about three views of self in our study this morning. I've, I've, I've already laid out the lesson for you, so don't go to sleep now. We want to, we want to develop that a little bit, but you see where we're heading, and it's pretty simple. But I think it's very important, and I hope we can learn some things that will be valuable, that will be an encouragement to us all. Thanks for being here. It's been mentioned several times already in the announcements and in other expressions of what a beautiful day we have and what a privilege we have in being able to join together for this period of worship. We're glad that you've chosen to be a part of it. As Lee said in the announcements, we are grateful for our visitors. We want you to come back whenever you can. And we're always open to your questions. We're trying very hard here at College View to simply be a church like the church that you read about in the pages of your New Testament. Now, we think in order to accomplish that, we just want to do Bible things in Bible ways. And if you have questions about what we're doing or why, we hope we can go to the Scriptures and show you why, give you a book, chapter, and verse answer. That's what we're about. And that's what we're trying to do. And we thank you for being here to be a part of these services today. Let's talk about how we may be viewed. First of all, we talk about how we view ourselves. You know, our words and our actions very often reveal how we think about ourselves. I was telling some before services about a fellow I know up in Missouri. He and his wife own a gift shop, and at the end of the year, in the gift-giving season, they have an open house in their, in their gift shop, and lots of people come. And... Uh, on one particular occasion, this fellow who owned the shop, he was, the place was crowded, and he was carrying a big box of things down a narrow corridor, and there was a woman there looking at things in that passageway, and she was a, a really made-up person. He said she had on lots of makeup, pants, very fancy dress, and, and she was an attractive lady. Uh, and so he, as he's trying to get by with this box of merchandise, uh, she realized that she was impeding his progress, and so she said, oh, I'm sorry. And he said, you're fine, you're fine. 
And she replied, well, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, and, and so I've thought about that ever since. You know, we, we tend to use that expression, you're fine, to mean everything's okay, no problem. But you might want to be careful about who you say that to because they may take it personally, thinking that you're complimenting them. That woman obviously did. She had a pretty high opinion of herself, apparently. Well, what about that? How do we view ourselves? Well, the scriptures actually tell us that we should engage in self-evaluation. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. And so it is, it is a worthy thing, a necessary thing for us to have a view of ourselves, to see where we are, especially to, to give a, uh, an evaluation of our spiritual well-being. But that evaluation needs to be honest, and it needs to be humble, and we need to be realistic about where we really stand spiritually. There are frequent warnings in the scripture about the danger of being self-deceived. In James chapter 1, beginning verse 22, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. And the next verse, which I didn't put up there, is our memory verse for this week, James 1 verse 25. But I'm using this passage today to emphasize the danger of deceiving your own selves. It's very possible to do that. In the text here in James chapter 1, he says you, you might deceive yourselves if you just hear the word and don't put it into practice. You need to be working hard to do the will of God in your life. Numerous times in the book of Proverbs, there are warnings about this problem of self-deception. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, for instance, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. A foolish man thinks that he's right about everything, and he doesn't even stop to consider the possibility that he could be wrong or need correction. We need to be careful about how we think about ourselves. The greatest threat, I think, is expressed by Paul here in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He said, I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, notice, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. I think the real danger is that we might tend to think of ourselves more highly than we should, to think that we're doing better than we really are, to deceive ourselves into thinking everything's all right when the fact of the matter is we've got some major changes that we need to make in our life. That's very possible and very dangerous. What we really need to do is to follow the instruction of Jesus. And when he taught this humble view of self, Luke 17, verse 10, So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. We are unprofitable servants. We don't have anything to brag about, nothing to commend ourselves about. And so our view of ourselves needs to be right. Now, I think obviously everybody has a view you, you, have a, you have some feeling about how you're doing spiritually, uh, but the point of it is it needs to be a proper view. We've got to get it right, and I'm concerned that a lot of times people don't view themselves properly. The second view is how others view us. Sometimes how others view us is very different than how we view ourselves. Back in the 1800s, uh, a man named Robert Burns wrote a poem called To a Louse. Are you familiar with that? That poem, To a Louse, he describes a situation where he sat down in church and a very proper and uh, proud and uppity lady came and sat down in front of him. And it just so happened that 
a louse, a lice. She had lice, and there was a louse crawling across her bonnet, you know. She didn't know that. She was sitting there very proudly, you know, thinking that she was just fine. But in fact, those who were behind her could see that things weren't as they really uh, were pretending to be. And so uh, she, she had uh, a view that was very different. And in that poem, Robert Burns writes, if we could only see ourselves as other people see us. And very often that'd be helpful. If we could just see how they view us. Now, again, the scriptures tell us that we should be concerned about that. I, I should be concerned about how you view me. You should be concerned about how everybody else is viewing you. There is some importance attached to that. Notice in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. We often use this verse to encourage our young people. As young people, you are to set an example. What other people think of you, how they evaluate you is very important. And you be living in such a way, and of course it's true for all of us, not just young, but for all of us, be living in such a way that we're setting a good example of what believers in Christ do, how we live, how we act. In other words, many people are going to get an estimation of Christianity in general by what they see in you. How are you living? Are you an example of the believers? Be concerned about what others think. In Matthew chapter 5, of course, from the Sermon on the Mount, we have the very familiar words of Jesus. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Are you doing that? Are you letting your light shine? Are other people going to glorify God because of what they see in you? Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. If we're not living right, then that's not happening. We need to be very careful about how others view us. Live right. Set a proper example. But, having said that, there's a danger to this view as well. We said there was a danger to how we view ourselves. There's a danger in, in how others view us because public opinion is often fickle and it's not always accurate. And, and people can have mistaken evaluations. Let me give you an example from the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 14, notice when Paul was on one of his missionary journeys, it says, when the people saw what Paul had done, he had worked a miracle, they lift up their voices saying in the speech of Lake Caonia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands into the gate and would have done sacrifice with the people. And Paul and Barnabas restrained, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice to them. So initially here in this city, Paul was so popularly received that they were, they were going to say, he's a god. We're going to do sacrifices to him. Now that's, that's in verse, leading down to verse 18. They were ready to do sacrifice and, and, and Paul was barely able to restrain them from doing that, pleading with them, we're not gods, we're just men like you are. But one verse later, it says there came, this is verse 19, Acts 14, verse 19, there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, threw him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Wow, you talk about a change in public opinion, what other people thought. They, were, they thought he was a god and they were ready to do sacrifice to him and in short order, they were persuaded to stone him and leave him for dead. That's how people's opinion can change. So what we're saying here is this test, what other people think of us, this test certainly has to be viewed as 
potentially dangerous, and it is not the ultimate answer to how we really stand. It's possible that we could be dead wrong and everybody thinks we're right. Or it's possible that we could be right and everybody thinks we're wrong. People can be wrong in their evaluation of us. Without a doubt, of course, the ultimate example is of Jesus. Here's Jesus, the perfect human, and yet the ruling Jews in his day viewed him as wrong and crucified him on the cross of Calvary. People can be wrong. In fact, if everybody is praising us without exception, Jesus said that's even a, a red flag warning. In Luke chapter 6, verse 26, Jesus said, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Now think about that. Here Jesus said, now Jesus also taught us, let your light so shine before men. We already read that. But he said, you gotta, you got to understand there's another side to that coin. And the fact of the matter is, especially religiously, if everybody's praising you, if nobody has any problem with you, he said that might be a warning because that's what they did to the false prophets back in the Old Testament times. And so there's a danger with that view. Now, get the point. There are, there are, although we have to be evaluating ourselves and trying to get a proper view of ourselves, and although we have to be concerned about how other people view us, there, what we tried to point out is there are big potential pitfalls with both of those things. We're not saying they're unimportant, but you've got to understand everything that's involved here, and, and you, can be, you can go the wrong direction if you base your decisions simply on what you think of yourself and what other people think of you. If, if those are your determining factors, there's a great chance you could go the wrong way. But the, the only true and accurate view is how God views us. And that's the one that matters. Get that one right, and the other two will take their place in order. Okay? If we can get God's views, if we can be right in God's estimation, then the other, the other things that we've described will naturally follow. Think about this. We've just been watching some of the Winter Olympics on... TV, and of course we're familiar with the Summer Olympics too, so I want, to, I want, to, I want you to picture the Summer Olympics, and I want you to picture a, a, a runner, a sprinter, he's a sprinter, and you know, some of those guys are really fast, so here's this sprinter, and he thinks, he thinks he's really fast, if you ask him, are you good, are you good, oh man, I am fast, I'm fast, and you talk to some others, and you ask them, what about him? And, and they say, oh yeah, that guy is fast. He's fast. I tell you, he's fast. Does that prove anything? That he thinks he's fast? And some of his friends maybe think he's fast too? No, that doesn't prove it. You know what he's got to do? He's got to run against the clock. Only when he runs against the clock will he know whether he's really fast or not. And that's what we're saying here. We've got to get the, the absolute view. We've got to get the unmistakably right view of ourselves. We've got to race the clock. We've got to compare to the standard, right? That's what we're saying. You, in order to really know, you've got to compare yourself to the standard. Well, what is the standard? Well, we know, right? In John chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. There's the standard. We've got to go to the word of God. In other words, I may have an opinion of myself, you may have an opinion of me, but the one that really matters is how does God view me based upon the standard that he has set forth in his word. That's what's going to judge me in the last day. The Apostle Paul had this absolutely right. 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. He said, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judges me is the Lord. He said, it doesn't prove. I'm not justified by what I think of myself, and, I, and, it, doesn't, and it doesn't prove anything what you think of me. What really proves the case is the Lord. He's the one who's going to judge me. Now, that's exactly the way we've got to view it. Yes, think about your own standing. Evaluate yourself. Yes, be concerned about the example you set before others. But bottom line, what matters is what God thinks of you. You remember back in 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel had been commissioned to go to the house of Jesse and anoint the new king. Saul was the current king in Israel, but God had rejected him, and God was choosing someone to take that spot over. And God sent Samuel to the house of Jesse to, to find that new king who would, who would supplant Saul. Who would it be? And so Samuel went and called the sons of Jesse to come forward. And they started with the eldest, and they worked their way down. Notice what the Lord said, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, look not on his countenance. Here's the, the oldest. He's tall and handsome, good-looking guy. Surely this is the new king. Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And we know that they went through all the sons of Jesse down to the youngest, and that's the one who was chosen, the, the, the youngest, David, was chosen to be the new king. But there's a principle stated there that I think is so valuable. The Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And we need to realize that and understand it. So three views. As I said, I, I, I gave away my lesson before we even start here. You knew right where I was heading, right? But... Would you agree with me that this is something important for us all to think about? While these are important considerations, our view of ourselves and how others view us, while those are important and we need to take them into consideration, we've got to be careful with that as well. But this is the one that can't fail, what God thinks of us based upon what he has revealed in his word. When we compare ourselves to his word, then we know how we really stand. And so we would simply ask you this morning, when you make that evaluation, when you consider those views of yourself, how do you stand? Are you right with God? Have you obeyed that simple gospel plan of salvation? Upon hearing the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins. Have you done that? If you've not done that, then you're not right with God because that's what God's word tells us we must do in order to be saved. And so you may have deceived yourself in thinking everything's all right and you don't have to, to do any more. Or other people may have told you you're all right and you don't need to do anymore. But if you've not done that, if you've not obeyed that gospel plan of salvation that's revealed in the Word of God, then God's Word says you're not right with Him. And you need to change that. We're ready to assist you in your obedience this morning. We'd be glad to study with you more. Let us know how we can help. You need to make that decision. If you're a Christian already, but you've fallen away, my guess is that you probably understand that, that you know that you've not been living the way God wants you to live. God's Word certainly says that you've not been living the way that you should. And if that's the case, don't continue in that circumstance. If you're a child of God, but you've fallen away, we beg you to come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.
lamps all trimmed and bright. Oh, can we say 